Pray with me, would you? You can be seated. God, thank you so much that before we were ever able to cry out your name, for many of us, before we ever even knew your name, you were seeking us. Father, today as we open your word and see again those very, very familiar stories about a God whose love never ceases, who's constantly looking, searching for that which is lost. God, we recognize that we are it. In myriad ways, we are lost. So what comfort it is, God, to know that you are out there looking across the field Longing for that time when we will come to our senses. Longing for that time when, when we would have a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of direction. Longing, God, for that time when we'll come home to you. And God, forgive us, would you, for pride. Lord, forgive us. I can't not say it, our, our prejudices. Forgive us those times when he found it so much easier just to judge someone else, to put them in a neat little box so we wouldn't have to deal with it, God. Those times when we neglected people created in your image. God, forgive us for our sin. For it is great. But God, your mercy... Your justice, your grace is greater. And though we cannot comprehend it, God, we're going to risk believing it. We're going to risk stepping into it, not only for ourselves, but then, God, so that we might become a conduit of that mercy and grace to a world that so desperately needs it. Oh, God, strengthen us on the inner person. Allow us to receive and maybe even today, for the very first time, to, to open that gift, to drink deep of living water, to have, as Jesus promised, a, a, a spring, a wellspring of living water well up within us, God, overflow from us to everyone that we encounter, so that, God, no one would not have an opportunity to encounter the reckless love of God. And so, God, we just pray today that you would forgive us, that we would receive it, and then, God, that we would be able to take our eyes off of ourselves and open them to this vast world around us so desperately is crying out for one woman, one man, one youth, one child who will believe and live out the gospel. So open our hearts and minds, would you, God? Take these words on a page. Take our myriad life experiences. God, open our eyes to how you're orchestrating sovereignly every aspect of our life, even the difficult areas, to bring glory to yourself and good to us. And God, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. 
And Father, again, today we're just grateful. And even when we don't know how to cry out to you, even when we don't have words to say, you give us words to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we are, wow, they left. Um, we are um, in very familiar parables. Uh, it was not intentional, I don't think, other than to say that I think Luke was thinking along the same lines that we have been thinking. How do we impact the world around us? But in particular, how do we impact our, the people closest to us, our families, our neighbors, for the kingdom of God? And so... Um, this is a weird little dynamic today, but I'm going to I'm going to um, draw on three, really four powerful parables in Luke chapter 15. Now, as happens so many times, these are very familiar parables. And the um, danger is that you already have or will um, jump to what you've already learned from the parables and and say got that taught that been there done that and um, and miss what the Holy Spirit might have for you today. Is that, so I'm just going to ask you. Um, they're so familiar that I'm going to only hint at them and read a small portion of the entire chapter. But it is. Um, I, I just want to challenge you to not lose in the familiarity. What God wants to say to you today, and in particular, I want to charge you to say at the end of our time, if remember that that um, discipleship question, if I believe this to be true, what would I need to do? What would I need to do? I'm going to give you a couple of small challenges, but it's much more important what the Holy Spirit says to you than what what I do. Um, so, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, this is kind of like, um, uh, I don't know, a blast from the past for me. Uh, uh, Thirty years ago, um, uh, I encountered for the first time a, a gentleman who told me a story. I've shared it with you before, but um, who's told me a story that rocked my world and asked me a question that at the time I could not answer. The man's name was Tony Campolo. Does that, am I the only old person that remembers that name? Uh, he, he was a mess, that Tony Campolo. I've shared with you before that um, when he preached, he spit. And, uh, and so uh, usually the first three rows would be empty, right? He would get so excited that stuff would just start flying around the room. And so I was in, um, some of you, Carol might have been with me. I, I was in um, Southern California 
um, when he was preaching, and um, and uh, and so that all of a sudden the first three rows were full when he was going to preach, and, and we're going, well, wow, that's pretty cool, brave, but cool, you know. Um, and then right as he got up to preach, out pops like 30 umbrellas, right? <laughs> but um, I, I can remember like it was yesterday, um, Tony told this story. I'm going to mess it up, but, but he was going to teach in Hawaii, which is, I don't know how many hours, um, four or five hours different, even from the West Coast or whatever. It, it's, it's really a different time zone. And so as a result, he got out there. A day early, and um, and he woke up at three o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, and Hawaii was asleep. And so he went out of the hotel room, went down the street, found um, a little all-night diner, and and walked into that diner. Have you heard this? Do you remember this story? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, and so it's three o'clock in the morning, and then uh, a, a lady came in, and. Uh, uh, and then another one came in, and then a whole horde of ladies came in. And they sat down, and they were talking together. And this is ladies who were working at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Um, and Tony's going, ooh, this is going to be interesting, right? And, and one of the prostitutes, name was Agnes, and, and they were all talking, and Tony I mean, what can you do? You can't help but hear what they're talking about, right? And all of a sudden, Agnes says, um, tomorrow's my birthday. And nobody hears. Nobody hears in the whole thing, right? They just keep on talking. And uh, eventually, they get up and leave, and Tony's still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And, and Harry is um, the proprietor of this little all-night diner, and he looks like the proprietor of an all-night diner. has one of those... T-shirts, you know, little strap T-shirts, and and um, and he's gruff and everything. And uh, and Tony says to Harry, "Did you hear what Agnes said?" And Harry says, "No." He says, um, "Agnes says it's her birthday tomorrow." Um, Harry, what if we threw Agnes a party, a birthday party, tomorrow? And and Harry was a little in, intrigued and 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 kind of got excited. And Tony said, I'll, I'll bring the birthday cake, and I'll bring some decorations. And, and Harry says, well, I'll get the coffee going. I'll get everything going, right? So the next night in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii, um, the next night about the same time, all of a sudden they start filtering in, and the whole diner is decorated. There's streamers going. Big old sign says, happy birthday, Agnes, right? And, and, and Agnes comes in, and everyone cheers, and and. And she just starts crying. She just starts crying. Finally, Harry says to Agnes, um, Agnes, would you cut the cake? And she says, I can't. I can't. Would it be okay if I take the cake for a couple minutes? And apparently Agnes lived nearby with her mother. And she says, I've never had a birthday cake before. Can I go show my mom? And she walks out. Everybody's going, now what? You know? Usually for Tony, when someone says, do something religious, he takes an offering, right? But, but Tony began to pray, and he prayed for all those prostitutes, and he prayed for Harry, and he, and he just prayed that the love of God would surround them and bless them. And when he got done, Agnes wasn't back yet, and when he got done, 
Harry leans over and says, you didn't tell me you were a preacher, right? Um, what kind of church do you preach at? And, and Tony says, it was like a moment of inspiration. It's like one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just gives you words you didn't know were in there, right? He said, I, I preach at a church that throws parties for prostitutes. Harry looks at him, no, no, you don't. Because if you did, I would go to a church like that. Which kind of brings me to just a clarifying question. I'm going to just ask questions today a little bit. But What kind of church are we? Right? What kind of church are we? Are we a, are we a church that throws parties for prostitutes? Oh, wow. Wow. Well, turn with me for a second, would you, to, um, to Luke chapter 15. Would you do that? Luke chapter 15. Now, this is actually, it's, technically it's three parables all rolled into one. But, but in a way, it's four. And, uh, and so while you're turning there... Um, let me just remind you of, of the different sub-parables in this thing. Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them is lost. And the shepherd leaves the 99, and, and I'm going to hear that again, not related today, leaves the 99 and goes out and searches for that sheep, Right? And when he finds him, he puts the sheep on his shoulders. He calls all his friends together and says, Come, celebrate with me, right? For, for my sheep, which was lost, has been found. And, and he throws a party, right? He throws a party. And then one right after another, Jesus tells another one. And by the way, Luke, we've talked about this before, Luke, whenever Luke records a, um, a parable or a story about a man, he always couples it with a story about a woman. Um, Jesus, Luke's not doing it. Jesus did it, but Luke is the one that caught all those and, and tells us. So he tells a story about a woman who had ten coins. I remember 100 to 1, first parable. Now we're 10 to 1, right? Uh, he tells a story about a woman who had ten coins and lost one of the coins in her house, right? And and uh, and searched and swept and looked all over that house until she found it. And then guess what she did? She called all her friends and threw a party, right? Now, I don't know how much the coin was. Probably it was a denarius, a day's wages. Um, but she probably spent more than that on the party, right? Isn't that crazy? In the economy of God, is just a crazy thing, isn't it? Uh, and, and then he tells a very, very familiar story about um, a loving God and two sons. And right now, your mind's going, okay, I know the story. I got it already, Dave. Um, please, please keep that mind open. Go with me to 15.1, would you? Uh, because I want to um, just remind you of the context for this very familiar Luke 15:1. So remember last uh, last week we were talking about uh, Jesus being invited to a table with a Pharisee, and there's just amazing four parts of that story where where 
Uh, Jesus taught them incredible lessons about life in the kingdom of God. But, but do you remember that? We closed with that idea, come for all is now ready. And we together at the end of last week came to the table. But the context had been uh, Jesus on the Sabbath dining with a religious leader and, uh, and then realizing that the religious leader had no idea. No idea about the heart of God. And, and, and so he, um, he blessed them by teaching them about the great banquet of God. And it was fun because last week we had a banquet after our, our meal, uh, our, after our worship. We had a, a breakfast brunch together. It was just so, so special. But, but Luke 15.1 begins, Now the tax collectors and sinners, this overarching phrase that, that Jesus used uh, many different times and, and the gospel writers used many different times to kind of encapsulate all the broken, all the lost, the last and the least. And, and so now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, right? This weird dynamic that, that they were gathering on their own to, to be near Jesus. And, and the religious leaders... One particular, particularly legalistic branch of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, were grumbling, right? They're saying, this man, Jesus, receives sinners and, and eats with them, right? And eats with them. Well, well, the context for the parables that Jesus told was to to answer that question, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners, right? In other words, Jesus was partying with the wrong people. And, and the Pharisees, it says, came to listen to him teach and, and saw that he was hanging out. I, I don't know why, because I couldn't find it in the original languages, but I think it was the NIV adds the word notorious sinners, right? Maybe picking up on, on their perspective about tax collectors. Tax collectors and, and notorious sinners, people like El Guapo. I mean, just think of the worst sinners you could think of. The last people in the world that you would imagine being in the kingdom of God. And there they are drawing near to Jesus, right? And, and I just want to say, why was that, right? Why was that? The Pharisees are wondering, why is that? And, and I want to just ask a couple of, press pause for a second, and just ask a couple of maybe diagnostic questions, right? Got to know what's wrong before we can be healed, right? We got to know what the issue is, right? And, 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 and the first question I want to ask to try and say, what is, what's happening here God, in the story, but much beyond that, what's happening in my own life, God, um, the first question is, who are you befriending? Who are you befriending, right? The second one, you can write it down, and I'll try and unpack it real quick. Who are you offending? I can't even say that word, offending. Who are you offending? Who are you befriending? And who are you offending? Right? Because if we're just befriending religious people and we're offending 
irreligious people. Did you hear that? If we're just befriending religious people and offending irreligious people, I'm afraid we might have Jesus backwards, right? We may think that we're, we're following Jesus, right? But maybe, maybe we're following or are becoming religious legalists. Well, maybe we're becoming Pharisees, right? Here's, here's what I know for sure. Jesus was a friend of, help me, sinners. Now, I'm, that's really good news because I are one, right? Um, and that's really good news to me. But, but it's kind of counterintuitive, right? The longer we walk with Jesus, the more narrow our path can become. And all of a sudden we can forget what it was like when he reached out to us. Jesus was a friend of sinners and he offended Religious people. And it's almost like he did it intentionally. I'm way outside the bounds of Scripture right now, but, but just when I'm looking at this, how many times have we seen this where he intentionally healed on the Sabbath? Right? We've seen it several times in the last six months. It's almost like he's picking a fight. Right? It's almost like he's doing something to offend the religious people so that maybe, just maybe... Their hearts can, can crack and, and become soft again and, and they, can, they can understand the heart of God, right? Well, let me push the envelope even a little bit further, right? It was these non-religious people, these tax collectors and sinners that seemed to be drawn to Jesus. And it was the, the legalists, the scribes, the Pharisees that... The, um, the lawyers, the religious lawyers who did not like it, who were offended by the tax collectors and sinners, but really by Jesus, right? Well, I know that you know the background of this, that, that, that tax collectors were usually Jews who betrayed their own people and not only collected taxes on behalf of the oppressive Roman government, but oftentimes took a cut of it themselves. They were hated. They were hated. And, and it's almost like Jesus is saying, I don't know what your perception is of yourself, but you are not worse than these people, right? No matter what you've done. By the way, I just want to remind you, you name a biblical character, and there was a brokenness in them somewhere. I mean, even, even I mean, everyone but Jesus, there was a major flaw. So, we're talking about us. We're talking about ourselves, right? So, so the Pharisees saw these hated people befriending Jesus, and they accused him of being a friend of sinners. It's a, it's a beautiful hymn that, that uses that phrase. Wow. Wow, it's amazing. Now, um, a wise person, this is a modern proverb, not a biblical one, but there's probably 40 proverbs about the relationship between the wise and the foolish. And a modern proverb is this, a compliment from a fool is an insult, right? But an insult from a fool can be a compliment. 
And, and the Pharisees thought that they were insulting Jesus. And Jesus is going, thank you. Thank you. Because you're right. I, I am a friend of sinners, right? It's not the righteous who need doctors, right? It's the sick, right? Um, the Son of Man, how do you say it to Zacchaeus? Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save not what was already found, but what was lost. It, the very people that, that Jesus was calling to himself, there was one named Matthew, right? Matthew was a tax collector, right? And so grateful that you had a chance to study that passage when Jesus threw a party for, for Matthew, right? When, when, when Jesus uh, not only threw a party or joined a party at Matthew's house, but then called Matthew, this hated tax collector, to be one of his followers. And we don't know for sure, but there's a, just a huge possibility and reality that Matthew was the same Matthew that wrote the Gospel of Matthew, which has fed so many people spiritually in, for 2,000 years since then. Wow. Wow. So don't forget the context for this whole thing. It is that, that people are questioning, why does Jesus hang out with sinners? And, and, and it raises the question for us, who are we hanging out with? Who are we befriending? And, and the, the flip side of that question also is, who are we offending? Who are we driving away? Who are we causing to react strongly to us. Well, let me switch back again, if I can, to, to Luke 15. He tells these stories. Now, it's really cool. When you look at the stories, there's these common elements in each one, right? Something is lost. Something or someone is lost. There, what is lost is found, and there's a great celebration and a disproportionate celebration, right? Uh, a sheep, a coin, even a son, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you have never plumbed the depths of the love of God for the lost sons and daughters, oh my goodness, I drink deep of Luke 15 this afternoon. Drink deep. But I want to go with you um, to the other part of this because um, we just have such limited time today. I want to go to you to the other son, right? Again, many of you are right now going, click, okay, got that part, been there, done that, right? Uh, but there was maybe the whole purpose. Most of us say, I relate to the, to the youngest son, the one who squandered everything of his father's and, and came back on his hands and knees, and the father embraced him and and recovenanted with him, put the ring on his finger, the robe on his back, and sandals on his feet, and says, this is my son, this is my child, this is my precious child. And, and they were dead and are alive again. They were lost and now been found. Let's have a party. That expression, kill the fatted calf, kind of awkward in our culture today. Don't look at me like that. We just had steak the other night, right? We killed the fatted calf. We had uh, our our not-so-prodigal daughter and son-in-law were back in town, and and we killed the fatted calf and and celebrated, right? Oh, if you've never plumbed that, drink deep of that. But there was the rest of the story, right? I'm dating myself. Paul Harvey, was that right? 
And now the rest of the story, right? There was another son. And he was working in the field. And, and, and when he came back and heard the party, right, uh, said to one of the other servants, what is, what is this? And all oh, your brothers come home, right? The brother that said to the father, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. Uh, and squandered that on wild living has come home. And your father has thrown a party for him, right? Your father has thrown a party for him. I don't know if I have time, but oh my goodness. Um, when I was a student ministries director, um, we would take our kids in Seattle. We would take our kids. Where do, when you live in paradise, where do you go for something different, right? Um, you go to Canada. And, and so we would take our kids um, uh, to a young life camp, ironically called Malibu, eight hours by boat in the middle of nowhere, north of Seattle, and, um, excuse me, north of Vancouver, Washington. And, and, uh, and it is just absolutely in the middle of nowhere. There's no way to get there except by boat or float plane. And, uh, and so I'm going for the first time to this place, and I'm on, I'm on the boat with the kids, and it's been eight hours already. We're exhausted. We kind of want to get to wherever we're going. And all of a sudden, we hear music. And, and uh, we uh, hear boats approaching us. The first one is um, a, a boat pulling two water skiers, and they're screaming and yelling and, uh, and, and waving at the, at the ferry boat we're on and, and saying, welcome, welcome, right? And then there comes another boat, and this one's uh, like a pontoon boat, and there are people dressed up in marching band uniforms playing I'm so glad you made it right and 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 they are just burying us in in love I can just let a wave go over me I just remember how I felt then I felt so special I'm one of a thousand it wasn't a thousand it's probably 400 high schoolers and staff on this boat Uh, I just felt so celebrated by the way, do you know um, the name Bob Goff? Love does everything always. Amazing guy that gets celebration, that gets parties. Somewhere along the line, Bob Goff did what I did and was blessed by what I was blessed by. And so he bought a house near Malibu. Uh, by the way, Malibu has its own golf course. It has its own. The kids just think they died and went to heaven out there. He bought a house, a lodge by there, and then Bob started doing that himself. He would hire the, the staff from Malibu to greet his guests when they came to his house. And he talks about it in his book, uh, Everything Always. And, and he, just, he just got it. Um, people are worthy of celebration, right? People are worthy of celebration. And, but, but the reason I bring up Bob Goff is because Bob then talked about something else. Well, Bob's trying to learn these principles. Bob Goff goes and, um, and is, he flies everywhere. He's an international speaker. He flies everywhere. He flies out of the same airport with the same TSA agent. And it suddenly dawns on Bob that, that, um, that this is a real person. Not just, I, I avoid TSA agents like the plague because I'm afraid that they're going to 
find something in my backpack that's going to stall the whole thing. I'm going to be in a mess, right? Um, Bob says, I see the same guy. And so the guy reached out for his um, driver's license. Bob takes the driver's license out of his hand and shakes the guy's hand. And so I just want to thank you so much for all you do. Uh, and I see you here on a regular basis. I just want to say you, you treat me with respect. I'm really grateful for you, right? And when he picked the guy back off the floor, right, then, then um, they began um, a relationship where eventually they're eating in each other's homes. They're, they're celebrating life together. His point and my point in that is it's not always a Malibu-type band on a pontoon boat celebration. Sometimes it's just a little three-minute celebration. A little three-minute celebration, right? For you to see the people that are before you. For you to, to know, not only theologically, that they're creating the image of God, but that, that they have value, just who they are. And to love them and celebrate them right where they are. Worship team, come on up if you would. Um, and, 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 and so that's my challenge to you. Um, I did a quick survey and, and said, of the challenges that I give, how many people actually do them? And I realized very few, <laughs> very few. Um, I'm, I'm really idealistic in, in my impression of how people will respond to challenges that I give. So I've, I just, I'm going to get one down to the absolute simplest I possibly can for this week, right? Um, I want you to fly to Hawaii and throw... No, I don't want you to do that. I want you... By the way, we're praying for Maui. Eighty people died in that fire in Lahaina. Um, but I want you to throw a three-minute party for someone who least expects it this week. I want you to study them as much as you need to, to uh, find a way to bless them, and, and then throw a three-minute party for them that, that, and, it, and then just wait and see what happens, right? For Agnes, it was life-changing. For that TSA agent, probably in Alaska airport somewhere, um, it was life-changing. Maybe, just maybe, God is going to use you powerfully in someone's life because that's how the kingdom comes, right? We love people that are right in front of us and that are right next to us. Uh, uh, that's, by the way, the reason for the title of Bob Goff's second book there. Every, everyone, everybody, always, right? The people that are right there in front of you. We love them when they least expect it and when they least deserve it, right? We, th- we throw parties for people who are outside of the fold, who are across the fence, or who are, who are outside of even the family, right? And, and I'm so grateful, beloved, for you, because in so many ways, you do that. You do that. I think of the myriad ways that you're involved at great personal cost in the lives of others. And I just, I just celebrate. Thank you for honoring Jesus by celebrating where, right? You can, every person you lay eyes on is valuable in God's sight and and as you love them and celebrate them in Jesus' name, maybe, just maybe, God will open a window or a door in their heart and allow them to understand the over 
overwhelming. A lot of people get offended when we say reckless. But from a human perspective, (laughs) we just talked about offending people, so that's all right. Um, From a human perspective, it looks reckless. It's not reckless because it's very intentional on God's part. His love is very intentional, but it looks reckless to us because we don't have the heart of God. We don't measure the same things that God measures, right? Last thing I just want to ask you because we've been flying at 30,000 feet over this parable. But who do you relate to? With whom do you identify in this parable? Many of us, it is the younger son. And some of us are still in the pigsty, eating pig food, right? And wondering if our Heavenly Father could ever receive us back. Still others of us are identifying with the Father. You have, I know it's a misuse of the word, but prodigal children, right? Children who have not come home. And, and you're like the father looking across that field, longing for the day when they're coming home. Amazing promises throughout Scripture for you. But I want to speak especially, and I, I'm guessing it's not that you identify with one, but to some extent you identify with an aspect of each of them. I want to I speak to the older sisters, the older brothers among us, right? In us. Um, the story ends not knowing whatever happens to that older brother. Every other story is beautiful. There's a great big party, right? But the last party was for the younger brother. This, this brother won't come into the party and, and the jury is still out. We don't know what happens. We don't know what happens to that older brother. We don't know what happens yet. Maybe because our story's not finished yet. And we have to respond. The father begged the older brother to come into the party. You know, everything I have is yours. You know, he, he was serious. He, he'd given the son, the younger son, all that. Everything left was his. But he wouldn't come into the celebration. Mm. Beloved, I do not want to stand in glory. And wonder why you or me didn't come into the celebration. It's not about legalism. It's about love. It's not about righteous living because none of us is righteous. It's about celebrating the love of God. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you again for, for the privilege of opening your word. We confess, God, we just scratched the surface on it but but God I just pray that you would draw us again that you draw us again to your word to Jesus Christ who who modeled for us what it is to love in a way that looks reckless to the world but to you it looks like the love of God well, may it may be true God we ask in Jesus name Amen